Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and it is a victory Monday, everyone. That is right. If you were lucky enough to see the game live, if you were lucky enough to stay up late enough, if you're on the East Coast, to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers do what many thought was the unthinkable, watching the game, came from behind, beat the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football, in M&T Bank Stadium, 16-13. Kenny Pickett does it again, this time that crazy scramble play to Najee Harris for the game-winning touchdown. We're going to be talking about this in all sorts of ways today, folks. It is, it's going to be a joyous occasion, we'll put it that way. We are going to have the latest news from a really crazy Sunday in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to talk about what this means in terms of the playoff hunt, and we'll obviously give you my thoughts on this game indefinitely. Stay tuned in the second half for the winners and losers. We have a lot of winners and not a lot of losers, believe it or not. It's crazy how things can change based on how the Steelers finish the game. But let's start with the news. Before we get into injury updates and all that stuff, I wanted to talk about what happened earlier in the day on Sunday because it was crazy. The Steelers in Week 17 needed the following things to happen just for the game on Sunday Night Football to matter, for it not to be a foregone conclusion that they were already eliminated. They needed the, the Miami Dolphins to lose to New England. Check. New England beats them in New England. That was in the 1 o'clock hour. Then the 4 o'clock time slot, they needed the Seattle Seahawks to beat the New York Jets. Check. They did that. Now, when the scenarios were actually released prior to that game, that 4 o'clock game, it was actually announced that when the Miami Dolphins lost, the Steelers were not going to be mathematically eliminated even if the Jets would have won. The only thing that would have kept the Steelers' hopes alive would have been a tie in Week 18 between the Jets and the Dolphins. So you have to understand that while, yes, they technically would not have been eliminated, they essentially would have been eliminated. Nonetheless, all that all that happens so that it, it kick off at 820 on NBC, Sunday Night Football, the Steelers still have a shot. Now they have to win their game, and they did that. So everything that needed to happen in Week 17 happened. So what about Week 18? In Week 18... Here's what needs to happen, and a lot of this is going to come down to the Monday night game tonight against Cincinnati and against Buffalo. Let me explain. So the Steelers need to win, and they need to beat Cleveland. We knew that. That's been that's been rule number one since this thing got off the ground, and that is they have to win out. The Steelers have to win the rest of their games, and so they, they have to beat the Browns. Now, we know they're not going to play on Saturday. I'm assuming it's going to be a 1 o'clock game on Sunday, but we'll see. That schedule will be released Monday, either after or during the Monday Night Football game. Be on the lookout from uh, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We'll have all that for you once it's announced officially. Next, they need the Buffalo Bills to beat the New England Patriots. Now, here's where things get would get tricky. The Buffalo Bills, are they want that first-round bye. They want that top seed. They, they want the road to the Super Bowl to go through Buffalo. And so the 
what's really unique is that the Chiefs are now playing the Raiders in their Week 18 game on Saturday. So if the Chiefs win, that's good news because that means Buffalo's going to have to play to win against New England, and that's what the Steelers want. That's what the Steelers need. They need the Bills to beat the Patriots. Next, they need the Jets to beat the Miami Dolphins. Now, if you didn't follow the games on, on Sunday in Week 17, it was announced that Tua might not even play in Week 18 because of his concussion. It would be the third of his uh, of this season. Teddy Bridgewater, the backup quarterback, broke his finger reportedly. He could possibly, that's his throwing hand, he's probably not going to be able to play. They could be on their third-string quarterback. The Jets could beat Miami and knock them out of the playoff. That's a division rivalry. We'll see. All those things have to happen. So, again, Pittsburgh has to beat the Browns. Buffalo has to beat New England. The Jets have to beat the Dolphins. It's it's crazy to think, but this road is – I wouldn't even follow the projections. You might see it's a 15% chance. You look at those, in, those intangible aspects of the game, I think it's a higher percentage in my opinion. Outside of that, always have to bring this up. The Chicago Bears lose again. They get shellacked by the Detroit Lions. They've lost nine games in a row. And now all of a sudden, if the Houston Texans win in Week 18 and Chicago loses, the Chicago Bears could have the number one overall draft pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And that would mean that the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, would have the 32nd pick in the draft because remember, the Miami Dolphins had to forfeit their first-round pick, meaning there is no pick from them at all. It was not traded. was not given away. There's only 31 picks in the first round. The first pick in the second round is pick number 32. That could belong to the Steelers due to that Chase Claypool trade. That is exciting. I do want to bring this up, too. You know, a lot of people were really ticked off when the Steelers and Ravens were flexed to Sunday night. They said, oh, there were better games to put in prime time." Well, first, those games, like a lot of people wanted the Minnesota-Green uh, Bay game to be flexed. That was a blowout. was not a good game. But the uh, other TV stations can put they can protect games. It's been this way for a long time. And so CBS protected a game. Fox protected a game. And so NBC only had a handful of games to choose from. Boy, did they get a good one. Boy, did they get a good one. If people are just football fans and they want to watch a good, classic, knockdown, dragout matchup, they got a good one in this matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens. Sunday Night Football with their flex, man, that was almost like one of those instant classic games when you talk about the ebbs and the flows of the game and things like that. Before we get into my thoughts on this game, I want to talk about the injuries. Mike Tomlin was so excited after the uh, after the win. He really didn't even bring up the injury news. I was kind of surprised. I was waiting for him to say on the injury front, here's what we know. There were two players that left the game and were eventually ruled out. James Pierre, was they, they, they called it, they being the Steelers, called it a head injury. And he left the game, and then in the second half, he was ruled out with a concussion. So he's probably going to be in the NFL's concussion protocol, and he might be limited or might not be able to play in the final week of the regular season. Miles Jack, linebacker, he has been nursing this groin injury for quite a long time now. And this groin injury is just seems like something that he's going to be dealing with probably for the rest of the season. And he left the game, and just like Pierre, 
not the concussion protocol, obviously. He was ruled out in the second half with that groin injury. Other injuries that happened, uh, you know, we saw Deontay Johnson go down, and it looked like he got kicked in the shin. He was able to return, made some plays for the offense. Minka Fitzpatrick, while tackling Mark Andrews, it looked like his left ankle got twisted up. He was able to return, obviously. He had the game-sealing interception off Tyler Huntley. So there you have a little update on the injuries. All right, that's a lot of stuff, and I wanted to lead off with all that before I give you my thoughts, and then we head into the winners and losers in the second half of the show. All right, like I said, how Sunday Night Football got a really good game. This was, in my opinion, a classic Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. And it was funny, I think it was on my Wednesday podcast last week, someone asked me which was my favorite game uh, between these two teams, and I, I thought about it long and hard, and the one thing that kept coming to mind, to me, is how it just seems like every time these two teams play in primetime on Sunday night, it always seems to be in Baltimore, and it always seems to be one of those crazy, classic games whether you're talking about Haloti Nada breaking Roethlisberger's nose, the catch by Santonio Holmes where did it cross the goal line or did it not, whether you're talking about Isaac Redmond getting the check down and he makes a guy miss and he scores, whether it's Troy Polamalu coming from behind, tomahawk chopping Joe Flacco's arm, the Steelers end up scoring and winning that game, Heath Miller diving for the pylon, Charlie Batch is the quarterback because Ben Roethlisberger's hurt, all happened in primetime. All happened in Baltimore. This followed the script. It followed the script almost to a T. And for those of us, like myself, Dave Schofield and Brian Davis, for those of us that live in Maryland, these games mean more. They mean more. So now when I'm getting ready to go back to work this week, I don't have to hear it after like I did after the 16-14 to 14 loss in week 14. This game was classic. I'm going to call it an instant classic. Steeler fans will call it an instant classic, mainly because, guess what? The Steelers were on the right side of the ledger when all zeros showed on the scoreboard. But when you look at this game, this, like I said, it followed the script. Ugly, hard-hitting, a lot of ground game, not a lot of big plays, playing it close, but then when the game gets on the line, it's who's going to make the big play. This is where Ben Roethlisberger thrived. This is where the big Ben came from. When you needed a play, he might have played like garbage for the majority of the game, but when you needed a drive, when you needed a play, he was able to deliver that play. I'm sorry, folks, it might just be two weeks, but for back-to-back weeks, Kenny Pickett is showing that type of play. I'm not comparing him to Roethlisberger because when you look at the way they play and their styles, they are completely different. But from that specific standpoint of the games on the line, we need a play. You got to go make the play. Well, Kenny Pickett is getting that job done, and it's really, really some serious stuff. And I'm, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast. And they are not Kenny Pickett fans. Maybe it's because they don't like Pitt. Maybe it's because, for whatever reason, they just don't like Pickett himself. Maybe it is based on the fact that they thought that at the 20th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Steelers should have gone in a different direction. 
that they didn't need to draft a quarterback after they signed Mitch Trubisky. Whatever the reason for a lot of people hating Kenny Pickett, I don't know how you can watch these last two weeks, how you can watch these last two game-winning drives and not be excited and not be excited about the future. Look, there is room for improvement with Kenny Pickett. Anyone that watches the games can see that there is room for improvement. He needs to improve on his accuracy. He escapes the pocket too early when it's still clean, meaning he kind of feels this pressure that's not really there and he has to bail out and then he's throwing off platform and things like that. Yeah, there's room for improvement. I'm not here to tell you that he is a finished product and he is the next guy for the Steelers. But I'll tell you what, he, throughout his time as the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, so since halftime of week four, he has shown more signs that he is that guy than that he isn't that guy. Everyone, for now, you think about, all. Oh, you point to week six, Sunday Night Football in Miami, he throws those interceptions. Yeah, he doesn't have it. Well, things can change. People can change. People can improve. I would say that as of now, the way he's playing is he's getting more comfortable. I think he's got it. Mike Tomlin thinks he's got it. That's all Mike Tomlin talks about when they ask him about Kenny Pickett, the it factor, the moxie, the ability to not have anything, any situation be too big. He doesn't get flustered. This has been a really fun season in a lot of ways especially on the offensive side of the football. Maybe it's because on the offensive side of the football, when you look at just how young they are, when you just look and see, man, these guys are so young that you oftentimes forget that there's a lot of struggling going on, but you're watching them develop. You're seeing them get better week in and week out. The running game, the offensive line, the receivers, the quarterback, all of it, all of it, so young. The elder statesman on that offense, folks, is 26 years old. I'm talking about starters, by the way. So when you're talking about starters, the oldest players are 26. That is unbelievable. So what I feel like, and I feel like this after the last two weeks, not just this week 17 win on Sunday Night Football 16-13, to what I feel like is that we as fans are getting to see the start of something very special. It's not a finished product, but we are getting to see the start of something very, very special, and it's not just Kenny Pickett. It's this entire offense. Think about what I've been saying all season. It is a rebuild two to three years until they can be considered serious contenders. If Kenny Pickett continues on this trajectory, that expedites that process. If they somehow find a way to get into the playoffs this year, which even two weeks ago was laughable, if they find a way to get into the playoffs and get that experience and maybe go out there and shock the world for a game or two, who knows? Think about how that would expedite the process. Just crazy stuff. The game was crazy. The game was awesome. I still can't believe the way that game ended. I still can't believe it. And what you're starting to have is you're starting to have this the same type of feeling the fans had with, with Roethlisberger, a quarterback, where if the game's on the line and they need a drive – There was a point in Ben's career where everyone said, oh, we got this. Man, we got this. Doesn't mean it happened all the time, every time, but it just felt like more often than not, they did. Kind of feels like we're heading down that same path, aren't we? 
It's exciting. This is exciting stuff. What a game. What a game. And when we come back, I'm going to have winners and losers for you. 11 winners, three losers. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back to this Victory Monday podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here in Let's Ride. Thank you for staying with me, and I hope that you are ready for 11 winners. I don't know if we've had 11 winners in a game in one of these podcast slash columns so far this season, but here we go, 11 winners. Let's get this show on the road. First winner, I think if anyone that watched the game probably knows where I'm going here first, it's Najee Harris. Listen to this guy's stat line. 22 carries, 111 yards, a five-yard average. Didn't score a rushing touchdown, but he had a 15-yard long run. We also did damage in the, the receiving category. Two receptions, 12 yards, six-yard average. He had one receiving touchdown in a 10-yard long, which was the go-ahead score for the Steelers. Najee Harris, this is his first 100-yard game of this season. It's hard to believe. Remember, does everyone remember when Najee Harris, everyone was talking about what's wrong with Najee Harris? Uh, Why is he dancing so much? Why isn't he running north and south? Like, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was Najee Harris's foot finally being healthy. Maybe it was Najee Harris... um, finally getting to understand his offensive line. Maybe it was coordinator things. Maybe it was all of it. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, he's he's really looking like the player that we saw a lot of last season as a rookie. And let's also not discredit what Jalen Warren has done in terms of keeping Najee Harris fresh. I think that gets that doesn't get stated enough. Najee Harris carrying the ball for 22 times. Not 28, not 30, 22 times that's worth noting Najee Harris was a big time winner he ran hard he ran angry he was talking trash to the fans I love every second of it next winner is Kenny Pickett of course it's Kenny Pickett 15 of 27 only 168 yards but a 6.2 average he threw one touchdown did not have an interception he was sacked twice for 15 yards one of them got his feet tangled up on a play action, and uh, he just gave himself up, so that's not really on the offensive line. Then 86.7 rating. You look at that stat line. If I were just to, say, stop a random Steeler fan on the street and say, hey, I'm going to show you a piece of paper, and on the piece of paper is Kenny Pickett's stat line from a random game. When you look at the stat line, do you think they won, the Steelers won? I would say 9 out of 10 would say, 
15 of 27 for 168. Nah, they didn't win. Yeah, like I said, I said it in the first half. I'll say it again here. It, he's not a finished product. But I will say that he he battled. He kept he, he kept his composure. He never got flustered, never looked like he was angry or getting frustrated. He didn't have that Mason Cole situation where he's throwing his helmet on the sideline. Always under control, always calm and collect. Kenny Pickett deserves to be in the winner's column, even if it was just for that last drive. It was that impressive. Uh, the throw, you people want to talk about the throw to Najee Harris. The throw to, but there's two throws on that final drive that really stick out. Rolling to his left, hitting Pat Fryermuth, big gain. That's a tough throw to make. Okay, that's, that's a very tough throw to make. Throwing to your left, throwing against the grain. This, but the best throw was that throw to Steven Sims. We'll talk about him shortly. That was a very small window to fit the football, and he found the perfect spot for it. Najee Harris had, I'm sorry, not Najee Harris, uh, Kenny Pickett had a great game, a great finish. He's proving that he is a winner. That's important, and he's a winner on my list as well. The next winner, not a lot of defenders made the list tonight, TJ Watt. He finishes with a stat line of four tackles, three solo. He had one sack two tackles for losses, and three quarterback hits. You know, it was interesting. Sometimes when you get these primetime games, you get to hear more about these player, you know, the meetings they have with the media leading up to the game. And T.J. Watt had told, I don't know if it was Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth, uh, but he had told them that he finally now is starting to feel like he's getting his legs back underneath him. He's starting to feel like he is actually, you know, that type of player again. He looks like it. And people might watch this game and say, oh, gosh, T.J. Watt, here we go again. Here we go again. He's not making the big. Where are the sacks from T.J. Watt? That's what everyone wants to know. You have no idea how much he impacts the game, how much he impacts the game. Every time they would have that power running style, you know, they're pulling the basically a guard across the line of scrimmage to take out that, that end, which in T.J. Watt's case, that's him. His ability to get underneath that sometimes, to go on the outside, just incredible. T.J. Watt had a great game, deserves recognition. He's a winner. The next winner is the Steelers running game. They ran for 198 yards rushing as a team. 198 yards as a team. We said that Najee Harris had 111. Jalen Warren had 76 on 12 carries with a long of 31. Kenny Pickett had you know, only two yards on five carries, but a lot of those were quarterback sneaks. Derek Watt, Gunnar Olszewski got in on the mix. This team, 41 carries, 198 yards, a 4.8-yard average. That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff. This run defense, the Baltimore Ravens were giving up 87.5 yards, I believe, I'll have to double check my notes, but 87 and a half round there. They were around there. It was like the number two or number three rush defense in the NFL. They put up 198 yards on them. No Clayus Campbell. Don't care. Who cares? You did the job. Offensive line, which is the next winner. The offensive line. You look at, you know, the the running numbers, the rushing numbers. I just said 198 total yards, two sacks surrendered. One of those was not their fault. Kenny Pickett gets tripped up, whether it was on the turf or whether that was from Najee Harris or someone else. He gives himself up. And a lot of people said he should have gotten up. 
Kenny Pickett said it himself in the post-game press conference. He goes, you know, this is a National Football League. I And he said, maybe in high school you get up there, or college even. He said, I'm not about to try to play hero ball. You get up, you get killed. Uh, someone's coming, and, and it's, uh, bad things can happen. So he stayed down. I don't blame him for that. They did give up nine quarterback hits. The, the Baltimore defense was bringing a lot of pressure. They were bringing a lot of different looks. And, yes, there was a couple times where you know, Pickett got hit hard, but that's part of this rivalry. Let's not forget that, yeah, you're never going to have that perfect game, not against a defense like the Baltimore Ravens. I thought this might have been, if not the best, one of the best offensive line performances of the season. The Steelers came into this game and said, they're a good run defense, and we're going to run it down their freaking throat. And they ran it right down their freaking throats. Everyone knew, first and second down, here comes the run, you got to stop it. And sure, they did a few times. But, man, they ran it right down their throats. When you had Jalen Warren running for 70-plus, Najee for 100-plus, offensive line's doing their thing. They're on the winner's list. The next, I go to stat line. It's the winners of these rookie contributions. So when you think about the rookie class, uh, you know, you've had some some players here or there. But think about these. The stat line are just the contributions you're getting. Mark Robinson gets the start. A seventh-round flyer on a guy that used to be a running back at inside linebacker, he gets a start. Mike Tomlin asked, well, what was up with that? He said his style of play is suitable for this rivalry. What else do you – what else would anyone need to say about you? The dude basically will run through a wall. That's exactly what he tries to do every time he hits the ball carrier. DeMarvin Leal, what a unique defender the Steelers drafted. This, he can line up all over the field. It's really incredible to watch. He can be as an end. He could be as a nose tackle, or not a nose tackle, but more of a defensive tackle. He's lined up at outside linebacker. Very good and promising young career for DeMarvin Leal. And then you have Kenny Pickett, George Pickens. These rookies are making a lot of plays. Oh, and let's also not forget... Jalen Warren, who, although wasn't drafted, is still a rookie. This is a young football team, and they've got some really good young players. The next winner, he's a guy that's been on the losers list a bunch. He is one of the whipping boys for the Steelers fan base. It's Robert Spillane. I am someone that I've always said that I'm going to call it straight no matter what. In other words, I'm not going to throw someone under the bus just because I might have, I, I might not like them, meaning as a player. Robert Spillane, he has a lot of things he doesn't do well, like coverage, but in a game like against the Ravens, this is a game that you want Robert Spillane in there. Why? He's a tackling machine. He wants to go downhill and meet the running back. He ended up with nine tackles, eight, led the team with eight solo, and one tackle for loss. If you're going to crap on the guy for when he makes mistakes, you got to also give him kudos when he plays a great game. And he played a great game, so Robert Spillane is definitely a winner. The next winner is Steven Sims. Finishes with three catches, 34 yards, and 11.3 average. He didn't score a touchdown, but that 28-yard long catch, boy, was that something. He had four targets, by the way, three catches on four targets. That 28-yard catch, I, I have to be honest, when I saw the throw, and I thought he, I saw him throwing it over the middle, Kenny Pickett, I see who he's targeting. I'm thinking, oh, man, this isn't going to pan out well. But Steven Sims makes the play. 
he kind of is turning into the Ray Ray McLeod of 2022. Ray Ray McLeod, the guy that was only a returner, he didn't do anything. I remember when they signed Ray Ray McLeod. I actually, he came from Buffalo, spent some time in Buffalo. I emailed Buffalo Rumblings, which is the SB Nation site, and said, hey, can you get give me anything about this Ray Ray McLeod guy? They said, nothing. He's worthless. Ray Ray McLeod is now making plays in San Francisco as a receiver. So Steven Sims, I'm not suggesting that he's going to be gone after this year. He could be, but I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that Steven Sims is absolutely uh, turning into something. We'll put it that way. When no one thought he was do, did anything other than a return guy, he's turning into something. That 28-yard catch, what a throw, but what a catch. That really was the play that spawned that drive. So kudos to Steven Sims. He is on the winner's list. Got to add this in there. Third down offense. The stat line, 10 for 16. 10 for 16. You know my thoughts on this. Have to be over 50%. Check that box. They did it. They're on the winner's list. Next, winner, the Steelers-Ravens rivalry. The stat line is simple. It is simple. It's renewed. I'm saying it right now. It is renewed. These two teams, the way they were playing, the, we'll call it extracurriculars, uh, the jawing going on, these two teams, and you look at some of these young players, like Najee Harris was was really jawing, not backing down. George Pickens, we know he's not backing down from anyone. I can sense that this rivalry is back. It is back. The only thing that could stop this rivalry is if the Baltimore Ravens end up parting ways with Lamar Jackson and they have to turn to someone like a Tyler Huntley, which is very much, it's not even close to what uh, Lamar Jackson would be. And that that's the only thing, because when you have Kenny Pickett, if he's the next young guy for the Steelers, they have their guy. You got the, these two defenses. Man, this is, it's just great. I love when this rivalry is like this. They don't love each other. They're not hugging it out afterwards. No, they can't stand each other. That's what I like. I love the trash talk. I love it all. Rivalry renewed. Let's go. I'm here for it. And the last winner is Mike Tomlin. He's coaching his butt off. And I say butt because I'm trying to keep it close to PG-13 as I can. Mike Tomlin, he has his issues. Anyone that's watched, followed his career since 2007 when he was hired knows he has his issues. There's certain parts of his coaching style that rub people the wrong way, and there's some people that like him for reasons that I really don't even want to discuss based on the fact that I can't believe we would still be discussing it in 2023, but yet here we are. Nonetheless, you cannot for the life, in in my opinion, in my opinion, I'm going to state that very clearly, you can't not give Mike Tomlin credit. You can't say, wow, like Mike Tomlin, you did a great job. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, the, the players are out there doing. The team was two and six. The team was two and six. So when you have a team that's two and six and you find your way back to eight and eight, like they are right now, and they're playing in a meaningful game in week 18, think about what that means. Think about what has to happen. Think about how the players have to buy in. They have to trust. They have to trust the process. They've done it. They did it again. This is, I think, one of Mike Tomlin's best coaching jobs when you think about the fact that he doesn't have a future Hall of Fame quarterback, that he's trying to navigate these relatively uncharted waters 
for himself and the Steelers organization. Kudos to Mike Tomlin. He's the final winner. Let's go over those winners real quick for you before we head over to the loser side. Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett, TJ Watt. The running game, the offensive line. Rookie contributions, Robert Spillane, Steven Sims, the third down offense. The Steelers-Ravens rivalry being renewed. And Mike Tomlin. So now we head over to the losers list. There's only three. I hate to say this. I've had this guy on the losers list already this year, and it's Chris Boswell. And he finishes three for four with field goals, and he's one for one with extra points. But I'm sorry, the the missed kicks are killers. When you have an offense that struggles to put points on the board, and when you have an offense that struggles to get into the end zone, you cannot leave points on the field. In a game like this one that was you knew, everyone knew it was going to be a low-scoring affair, you just cannot leave points on the board. Chris Boswell is slowly having a very subpar season. And I know he's been injured, and he had to go on injured reserve for the groin. I, I saw a statistic that within the range of 40 to 49 yards, he is currently kicking 44%. That is the worst mark in the NFL of all kickers in that range. That's bad. And that's why he's on the losers list. The next loser is the unnecessary roughness penalty that was called on Cam Hayward. So Cam Hayward said after the game, when he was interviewed by media, that the only reason they called that flag, the only reason they threw that was based on when he was being pulled. He was being pulled backwards and down from Ron, by Ronnie Stanley underneath him. And Cam's right hand, you watch the replay, you'll see it. His right hand makes contact with the official. And the official threw the flag because you can't make contact with an official. It was completely incidental, but that's what Cam Hayward said, and he was told that was why he was flagged for that. It was awful. The Steelers' defense gets off the field. You're thinking they're just going to kick a field goal. Instead, the next play is a touchdown pass from Huntley, and all of a sudden it changed everything. You had a, such a horrible sequence with Chris Boswell missing the kick and then the Ravens going down and scoring a touchdown, but only after that bogus call. The sad thing is is that Mike Tomlin was asked about it after the game, and he said, ah, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters a lot. And I hope that there's someone that asked those officials a question about it because it does matter. It does matter. And because the Steelers won, a lot of it will get you know brushed under the rug but I think I would love to see the answer on that. All right, let, let's go to the last loser. The Steelers special teams. Whether you have holding calls, like Mega Fitzpatrick got called for holding, which bumped a drive back to the five-yard line. Uh, you have these short kickoffs that I'm just not sure if that's the best way to go with the, the current coverage units that the Steelers are deploying. Justice Hill returned that kick in the fourth quarter it almost went into Justin Tucker's field goal range. Thankfully, the defense was able to make have a tackle for a loss, and they uh, were able to push him back, but I don't know. I don't know. The special teams units are just struggling right now. We'll put it that way. They are struggling. So the losers list, Chris Boswell, the unnecessary roughness call on Cam Hayward and special teams. There you go, folks. That does it. That is the Victory Monday podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to be back on Wednesday, but make sure on Tuesday you are on the lookout for the tweet for the mailbag so you can get your questions in before week 18. By that time, we'll know when the Steelers play, 
We'll have all that stuff ready for you right there behind the steel curtain.com. So make sure you check it out. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Monday. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours.